Hi everyone, I'm Jason Scorse and welcome to another episode of Dispatch from the Zombie Apocalypse. I hope everybody is doing great. The title of this episode is Injustice is America's Primary Problem, Not Incivility. And this episode will touch on a point I've made over the years, but I'm going to do it a little bit more explicitly and with a focus in the next segment on recent Supreme Court decisions that just, you know, happened at the end of this term. And so despite my best efforts, I keep getting sucked into current events because Evil doesn't take a break. Evil doesn't rest, and it's ongoing in America, and it's worth commenting on. But again, I'm going to couch it within this larger theme that is ongoing and bigger than anything that happened this last week. And that's about kind of the mechanics of what an oppressive and unjust system tries to do, right? Which is to shame and demean and minimize the people who are upset about it. So let me kind of elaborate a little bit more. This has always been one of the main tools of oppressors, right? Remember, oppressors are in the minority, right? It's usually a small group. It's a minority. It could be 5, 10%, 10%, 20%, 30%, but it's never the majority, right, um, of the real true people who hold the power. And they create this brutal, unjust system where they get most of the benefits. And then they pretend it's normal. It's just the natural order of things and how things ought to be and you don't want to disturb that balance so then people who are upset about this unjust system they get mad at them and say you're being uncivil you're being disrespectful how dare you this is the natural way things are don't you respect tradition don't you respect decorum and so it's a way to silence the people who are complaining and i'm rising up against injustice while they sit back and benefit from it It's a scam. It's a complicated scam, and it's one of the oldest in the history books. Now, of course, most of these people aren't explicitly, you know, engineering this, although I think many of them are conscious of it. But again, once people get entrenched in power and they're benefiting from injustice, anything that rocks that boat, they're going to claim is uncivil and unnatural. And, you know, you should be ashamed to, to yell about all this. You know, keep your cool. Right. And in America, there's almost an entire class of people, an entire industry, the civility industry of people claiming in op eds on Sunday talk shows, in books, in speeches, that if only people talked with more respect and didn't get angry and call people names, everything would be so much better. And let me begin by saying that, of course, I value civility within limits. Right. This podcast is an example of that. Even though I call people out, overall, the tone of my podcast, I think I can claim is pretty civil. I'm willing to engage in civil discussion with anyone who argues in good faith. But many actors in America and most actors on the right don't act in good faith. They're master gaslighters and liars. And let me be clear. I'd rather live in a just society where people every now and then get mad at each other and call people names than an unjust society where everyone pretends everything is okay and shuts up. 
Because usually in societies like that, that are they're governed by fear. Because people don't like keeping quiet when there is injustice. It's not the natural state of things. Humans don't like being oppressed, and they're going to get angry and riled up about it. But they'll be quiet if there's a lot of pressure on them, if they're afraid of repercussions for speaking out, that they're going to be ostracized, or even worse, that violence is going to come against them or their family. And so many of America's so-called centrists, moderates, independents, and no-labels people in our country are part of this problem. They want us to believe that it's the angry voices that are to blame for our problems, not the oppressive systems in place that make tens of millions of American lives worse on purpose and take away basic rights. So this kind of civility industry is a big part of the problem because right now in America, you have to choose sides, democracy, freedom, and justice, or authoritarianism, theocracy, and oppression. There is basically no gray area anymore. Maybe there was 30 years ago, but even that is debatable, but I don't want to go there now. But not anymore. In 2023, it's black and white. There are oppressive, theocratic, authoritarian forces actively destroying our basic rights, taking them away, destroying institutions, destroying them democratic norms, you know, impoverishing people, wreaking havoc on the environment, right? And then there are those fighting against that who are fighting for a just and prosperous society. And you got to choose sides. So this fake, mushy, civil middle is bullshit. And so I'm going to provide an example in stark detail right now. So the GOP, the Republican Party, have been sucking Trump's dick and swallowing for years now. And they're saying, no, we're not. You guys just have Trump derangement syndrome. They claim that even though they're sucking Trump's dick, they don't really like his tweets, but they like his policies. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. So think of the damage these monsters have inflicted on the country. People who have brought fascism to America in the 21st century, who separate kids from their parents at the border and put them in cages, who take away women's rights, who say insurrectionists, people who stormed the Capitol and tried to overthrow our democracy, are patriots. And not sure how many of you know this, but Trump's first first major campaign rally um, last year was in Waco, Texas, on the anniversary of the siege of the Branch Davidian, Davidian sect that resulted in many deaths in the 1990s and that has inspired many in the right-wing militia movement. So that means that Trump, a presidential candidate and former president, was speaking directly to the worst white nationalist conspiracy theorists, and he started his rally by singing with January 6th prisoners and promising to pardon them if he is elected again. This is the type of batshit stuff that you'd expect in a two-bit banana republic. But Trump and the GOP have so flooded the system with crazy that most people don't even notice it anymore. And I bet nine out of 10 of Americans who listened to the last few minutes of this podcast would be more upset with my vulgar descriptions about Republicans sucking Trump's dick, my so-called incivility, than the actual violence, mayhem, and cruelty these fucks have inflicted on society. So think about that. I did this for a purpose, right? Right? This is the fucking problem. 
I was purposely vulgar to emphasize this point, that in America, many people have completely lost the plot. They confuse legitimate anger and disgust with incivility. But you know what? Racists, authoritarians, and theocrats deserve anger directed at them. They deserve contempt. Most people who bemoan the lack of civility are just gaslighting. Most know what they're doing, but they don't care. They make money by faking respectability and wearing suits and ties and having their smug little grins and wagging their figure at the people who are mad. They say, just because Mr. X is shitting on you and taking away your rights, don't call him names or disrespect him. You must maintain your decorum. Fuck that. Fuck that. You should be mad, and rightly so, at the people who are taking away your rights, who are destroying democracy, who are destroying the life support system of planet Earth. You should be mad about that. It's your right to be. In fact, I would say it's your responsibility to be. And after the break, I'll talk more about how the six right-wing Supreme Court justices are the ultimate gaslighters and oppressors in this country, and how they deserve nothing but contempt. Okay, so I want to begin this segment by kind of citing something that Josh Marshall at Talking Points Memo TPN said. If you're not a reader of his website and a listener of his weekly podcast, highly, highly recommended. It's on my zombie free media link on the homepage. You know, TPM, Josh Marshall, super good guy, super progressive and smart. And he made this insight that the justices, the right wing justices on the Supreme Court, They want to be able to do whatever the hell they want, usurp power that they don't deserve, just completely make shit up, and then be treated as wise sages and that they have to be paid deference to, right? So they want it all. They want to be able to shit on the rule of law, but then make sure everybody respects them and doesn't talk bad about them. Now, of course, Alito is the worst. He's like your old uncle who screams and yells at Fox News all day and then tells you that you better call him sir, right? But it's not just him. It's Roberts and Thomas and Kavanaugh as well. Thomas is particularly vile, Uncle Clarence, because he's the biggest recipient of affirmative action in the country. He would have never gotten close to the court if he wasn't black. Remember, it was George Bush one who who replaced Thurgood Marshall, the champion of civil rights, with Clarence Thomas. He knew he had to find a black man to to replace him, and he found the one black man he could find who had been in federal court for a few months, who had no record, who was a complete nobody. But what had Thomas done to deserve a place in the Supreme Court? During the Bush and Reagan administrations, he had talked bad about black people and talked about how they complain all the time and how he hated all the privileges that black people were given. 
So he was the perfect black guy, right? A completely unqualified, vile, piece of shit human who they could at least say, hey, we put another black man in. So, hey, don't, don't say we're not racist. Don't say we're racist. We're not racist. So, again, if Thomas had been white, there is zero, zero, not 1%, not 5%, 0% chance he would have ever been on the Supreme Court. I can say that. I would bet every penny I have on that. If we could do the counterfactual, he was a fucking nobody. But what he was, was a black man that hated black people. And that was good enough for George Bush. And so now that the court has struck down affirmative action, while allowing legacy and donor um, preference admissions to continue, this is the situation we're in. We're in a situation where conservatives are telling private colleges, remember, conservatives supposedly believe that the government shouldn't tell private business to do anything. They're telling private colleges that they can't use race as a factor in admissions, but if someone's relative went to the school or donated a lot of money, that's okay. Think of what backwards oppressive shit that is and that they can say it with a straight face, right? We in this country supposedly rebelled against the British monarchy, right? Because we didn't like monarchy and hierarchy and inherited privilege. But legacy admissions in college are directly from that hierarchical structure, right? Think about that. You get into Harvard or Yale because your uncle went there, your dad or your grandpa. What? Right? That's like, that's monarchical. That's like caste privilege. It's so bad that almost nowhere in Europe or Great Britain is this allowed because the Europeans are like, we can't do that. That's fucking nuts. So contemplate that. I'm launching this podcast on Independence Day, July 4th, right? And it's right after the week that our court says inherited privilege is fine, but elevating people who were enslaved and brutalized for centuries is not. And they base this on a, their reading of the 14th Amendment that said it's a colorblind amendment. We can't, you know, use race as a factor. That, that defeats the whole point. That's like the most backwards-ass bullshit the 14th Amendment is completely an uncolorblind America. It was, it was written explicitly to help raise blacks up to the status of whites, right? And the six right-wingers completely lied about its intent because they just want to pretend that they can just wave a magic wand and racism magically goes away. And like Katanji Brown said in her dissent, just because we wish it away doesn't make it so. But they got worse from there. The case allowing a website designer to discriminate, discriminate against gays was perhaps even worse. The case was completely made up. Pure fiction. No harms have been done. Again, if you don't believe me, I'm not trying to do a recap here. Go read about it. It was a completely concocted case. No harms have been done. They made this fiction up to bring it to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court played along, right? Because the theocrats on the court don't care about facts and truth. And they said it's okay to discriminate against the LGBTQ community because freedom, dot, 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 some bullshit. So here's what I want to see. I want to see a web designer refuse service to a Catholic couple saying, I just can't support people who are part of an institution that for centuries has raped children and protected the perpetrators. It violates my moral sensibilities. Fuck, if I had the time... I would do a case like that. I would create a website for web design, wait till some Catholics 
you know, signed up and then fucking say no and try to bring it to the Supreme Court, right? And see how these fucking theocrats would try to twist it so they could protect the Catholic people because they would never let anyone discriminate against the Catholics, right? You know that. So look, if anyone should be discriminated against it in general, I don't think discrimination is a good thing, obviously, but it's definitely not LGBTQ people who are just living their lives, right? Like, they just want to get a website done. They're like, they're not bothering anybody. They're trying to pay money. Discrimination, if anything, should be against those who are parts of groups that are actively harming children. And I think raping children and protecting the perpetrators, that kind of counts. Right? That kind of counts. And then it goes on and on. On student debt relief, we got more lies and nonsense about major questions doctrine. And again, this is just completely made up. Go get the Constitution. Look up the major questions doctrine. Lo and behold, doesn't exist. The right-wing justices said, hey, if something's major, and guess how they define major? If we think it's major. Look at the circular reasoning. If we think it's major, it's major. How do you know it's major? Because we think it's major. It's just batshit banana republic stuff. If we think it's a major thing, we can say no. So they created this power out of thin air, and they took power away from the democratically accountable branches, the executive branch and the Congress. You can vote those people in or out. These motherfuckers on the court have lifetime appointments. They're completely unaccountable. Right? So look, bottom line here, the six right-wingers on the court are theocrats and oppressors who don't even pretend to care about the law anymore nine times out of ten. I'll get to that one out of ten in a second. And this, of course, is in the same term that the court completely made shit up to severely weaken the Clean Water Act. And that decision now puts about half, 50% of the nation's wetlands, some of the most biodiverse, important, sensitive environments at risk, just as a time, at a time when they need more protection than ever because of biodiversity loss and climate. So this is an evil, corrupt court to the bone, absolutely and fully. But some of you might say, wait up, wait up. Didn't they surprise us by not completely destroying voting rights the week before? Didn't they say that you know some of the voting rights laws are okay and surprise you? And so you're you liberal, you know they they gave you something. You know it's not it's not all horrible. Look, they did do a couple decisions that weren't completely horrible and preserved some voting rights. Yes, that's a fact. But this is what abusers do as well. They punch you in the face ten times. And then pull back on the 11th, right before they're going to punch you in the face and say, see, we don't really want to hurt you. We're your friends. Don't be mad. Again, it's part of this larger scam to placate the civility caucus who will say, see, the court really isn't as bad as you say. They could have taken away all of your rights, but they left you a few crumbs. So don't be mad. Again, fuck that. That's not how it works. You don't get to punch someone 10 times in the face and then pull back in the 11th and say you're the one, you know, doing good and that yelling about them punching you 10 times in the face is uncivil. That's not how it works. So I'll come back with the antidote right after the break.
Okay, so for the antidote to, to, for today, I just want to say, don't be civil to oppressors. They don't deserve it. They want the, the deference, the respect that they think they deserve, but they don't deserve it. They mask their injustice with suits and ties and big shit-eating grins, but behind the facade is great evil that doesn't deserve respect. Obviously, choose your battles and don't just yell and scream and curse all the time. But don't hold back when faced with great evil. Speak truth and anger to power when it's needed and appropriate. The powerful who commit great evil shouldn't get the benefit of civility. They don't deserve it. They haven't earned it. Basic justice requires that at minimum, they should be publicly shamed for their evil and unjust behavior. And in a free society, it's your right to tell oppressors that they are wrong, immoral, and corrupt. So use that right when you can. If you don't want to curse at someone or yell at someone, that's fine. Then put it in nice, calm language, but call them out to their face. Let them know that the evil that they're doing, they're not going to be able to just walk around calmly in society and everyone just bow down to them, that they're going to get called out. And maybe, just maybe, it'll kind of nag at them. Probably won't change their behavior, but maybe it'll nag at them a little. Maybe one day it'll make them stop for a minute and maybe soften a little. Maybe it will actually have some impact. And if it doesn't, at least they get to sleep a little uneasy at night, which is, again, the minimum cost that they should um, bear for doing the evil in the first place. So with that, everybody, I hope you're enjoying the podcast. If you are, please share it with family, friends, and colleagues. Rate it. Subscribe on Apple, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and Amazon Music. And with that, everybody, have a great rest of the week. Take care. Be well.